Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, there's the 24-hour online casino. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the Spider Scoop Podcast, episode 40. As always, I'm your host, Noah Goldberg with ESPN Richmond. We are without our struggling Charlotte Hornets fan. He had matters to attend to tonight, but I'm joined by last year's uh, leader in three-point shooting percentage from the Atlantic 10. He has scored over 1,000 points in his career with the Richmond Spiders, Nick Sherrod. Uh, Nick, you, much like I did, just sat at home and, and watched from TV as Richmond played at St. Louis probably their most maybe their most anticipated league game this season um we all know what happened with what should have been the first of this two game series that ended up being a one game series uh two teams coming in both on the bubble richmond was first four in or first four out uh, according to lenardi uh slew was just out of that next four out they were kind of hanging around there so big bubble matchup tonight um i don't think this game really hurt either team too much per se but but certainly a very competitive game Quick hits, instant reactions. What do you see tonight? Yeah, it was a tough one. I think, like you said, this is probably the most anticipated matchup, regardless of how both of our seasons have gone, uh, considering the expectations and what people thought about these two teams. As you can tell, these both these teams, you know, have their we have respect for each other, but you can also tell maybe a budding rivalry in the A ten between these two teams. And I feel like, you know, the slow start hurt us. And then, you know, I think maybe this is probably a theme of the season a little bit, but you know, down the stretch. Their players made plays, and we and our and we and our guys didn't. Um, so I would say, you know, it was a competitive game. Obviously, it was, it was going to be tough to win there regardless. But at the same time, it's, it's disappointing. I think it's just disappointing that you know we were tied. Similar to the VCU game, we were tied. I got the lead late in the game. We weren't able to you know finish the game. So it's a tough loss. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I think you know, like I said, considering the expectations that we had coming into this year, and considering where we're at, this is a game that we kind of need to win on some level, and we didn't. And so it's disappointing. I'm disappointed. I'm sure you're disappointed. Austin back home is probably disappointed. So it's just a tough one. I, I would say that might be my biggest tough takeaway. It's just, just tough, man. It's just tough. Yeah, yeah. I I have a feeling Austin is sitting down drinking a nice IPA right now, as probably all of us would like to be at this moment. Uh, yeah, a resident re- resident beer expert on the podcast. Um, but yeah, it, it. I think, and we're gonna break it down more as we get into the game. But but the finish, like you said, and it's almost like becoming a theme where. Uh, you know, I guess they did a little bit better against Duquesne, but same thing with VCU, right, where that score wasn't close. But but realistically, that was a close game for basically the first 35 minutes of the game. Um, and kind of kind of to a certain degree last year against SLU, I mean, their big run was, I want to say, six, seven minutes in the second half. So I guess that's not a down-the-stretch thing. But regardless, it just feels like once we get to six minutes, five minutes left in the game with this team, they just seem to not get stops. And quite honestly, they foul a lot. Um, and you know, you know, that's going to happen against St. Louis. They are such a physical team and the same thing happened against Duquesne. That's why Duquesne made that run was Michael Hughes just 
murdering everybody on the offensive glass. And if he wasn't getting a putback, he was getting fouled. Um, so in, in, in Richmond, it just, it doesn't, it seems like whoever they play um, just really, I don't know if that's fatigue or if that's being locked in mentally. Um, but again, we've said it, but it goes back to Moorhead state. It's 40 minutes. You got to do it for 40 minutes. Um, we haven't seen that yet. Uh, let's, let's start in the first half tonight. Um, we knew going into this one, Jimmy bell gets to start tonight. Hasn't been playing a lot this year. I'm sure you remember from that game last year. Uh, slew did go with that two big lineup to start. They started bell as a freshman, alongside Hassan French and it was pretty effective against you guys I think you guys kind of struggled with it I'm sure they went into this one tonight knowing that you know Grant was banged up they didn't really have anyone else Grant only had one rebound tonight um and he got out to a hot start he was four of four to start uh what did you see from French at the beginning where he was super aggressive going at Grant and we kind of saw him cool off I think he missed his next five shots or so yeah um I'm not surprised French came out to play like that considering how the game went against VCU and how he played um, he had, uh, 20 some points was aggressive the whole way. Um, so I'm not surprised that he played like that, but and this is my philosophy on college bigs in general. I think that sometimes you kind of have to make those guys score. I think that our philosophy early was a double them on the dribble. It's kind of difficult. I think the later we made it, the later in the game got, we realized, and this was kind of my gripe early in the season, especially against West Virginia, like bigs are like French is obviously a very talented player and stuff, but at the same time. I feel comfortable with him finish, having to finish over Nate every time, having to finish over Grant every time. I think we, we doubled him, and that was kind of a bailout, and it kind of got us out of position a little bit, which is more on the players. So I feel like, you know, he's obviously, like I said, he's a good player, but at the same time, when we forced him to, to have to score over guys where he didn't have to, you know, do a pump fake and figure out a three-on-two situation or anything like that, we were fine. His efficiency went down. He made a little bit more, more free throws than I expected, but at the same time, I really feel like French is a good player, a real, like a really good player. You saw that when he scored the first eight points in the game. But I think sometimes in college in general, but especially us, we give the big too much respect. If French scores 23, you saw that before he, we lost. I mean, they lost. So I, I like their strategy down the stretch. Again, make him score or foul him. Like he's going to have to score over length or we're going to have to foul him. And I think it worked out for us. He did, He's not the one who killed us the last 20, 25 minutes of the game. He had a yep. good start. Considering how aggressive he was against VCU, he played well. But at the same time, these bigs, you gotta you kinda have to make him score. Like mm-hmm. I'm fine with French. If French wants to take 15 jump hooks in the game, I'm fine with that. As long as he's not getting easy looks, putbacks and all that stuff, which he didn't really do that much. After the like I said, after the first eight minutes, I think we kind of held him in check. It's just that start getting down eight zero, then giving him a 13 0 run right after that. Like we can't do that. And we I mean, again, we just have to figure out how we're gonna guard these guys, what's the appropriate strategy. And then just cleaning up the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that breakdown. And like you said, you know, it wasn't French that was the one killing you guys down the stretch. So obviously, he was getting some rebounds, but really, it was it was Jordan Goodwin. It was in Javante Perkins, um, like another guy who who really kind of killed you guys at the end of that game last year. Um, but but speaking of other hot starts, even though Richmond, you guys didn't get out to a hot start offensively per se. Blake Francis, second game in a row that he was pretty much lights out um, to the beginning. I don't have the exact numbers, but I know we started like five of seven from deep in the entire game. Um, he, he was lights out, uh, led, led them in scoring, I think 24 points tonight, I want to say. Um, and again, though, like this was another game where, and, you know, obviously they were down double digits through a lot of the first half and Blake was cooking. And that just, again, goes back to show when, especially when you're gone, Tyler's really struggled since, since the COVID pause. Um, and Gilly hasn't been super aggressive as a scorer. And especially when Tyler's in a slump, Grant's got a broken finger. 
Um, you know, that's just, again, this shows how this team is one good thing away from being elite and one bad thing away from being awful. And you're lucky, you know, we're lucky Blake Francis was so effective tonight and was hitting shots, but it's like, imagine he had a, a, another high volume, low efficiency night. If you're Blake, like that game could have been, they could have been down by 20 points in the first half. So how big was it, is it for them to, to have Blake firing consistently? And now like you and I have been saying over and over again, it's like, all right, let's see Blake now put it together game by game. We've now seen him do it a few games in a row. If we are going to find one positive out of tonight, can we take that away? And how crucial is it to have him start to do it game by game now? Absolutely. Again, for Blake, I think that sometimes, and I'll, I'll say this like in general about Blake, I feel like, as Richmond fans, as everything, I feel like with Blake, we expect our guys to play a certain way. Like you see Grant, you see Jacob, you see me, you see Chandra, you see TJ, you see all these these players, and they all we all kind of play the same. We don't really force bad shots. We're not really trying to break the offensive score. I think what Blake has shown is that, you know, sometimes we need that guy. Like we need a guy who's willing to go score. And tonight, I think he sensed that. Jacob wasn't feeling super aggressive. Tyler's not feeling super aggressive. Grant obviously can't be the same way. And he scored. And I think when we're watching Blake, I feel like we kind of have to live with those shots a little bit more. He's going to take some bad – he's going to take some tough ones. That's that's part of his game. But at the same time, you know, he comes down. His first shot of the game is a pull-up shot that nobody else on the team would consider taking. He makes it. Comes down on the fast break, contested three, makes it. Comes down, hits French with, the inter- with a between-the-legs crossover makes it I think for like when we're watching Blake obviously and we talked about this on other podcasts before we want Blake to be 50% shooting we want everybody that's what everybody wants that's kind of how Richard plays I think we watch Blake and we see a, a need not just for this year but maybe even in the future like just when we're recruiting when we're figuring out like sometimes you need a guy who just doesn't care and tonight I think Blake showed that like he can care like he showed all last year but especially like tonight Grant can't really catch as well he can't do all the things he wants to do they were doubling Nate a little bit more. They were making him make decisions a little bit more. Blake can be that guy. Like I said, you don't have for 17 the game on accident. So I think for Blake, it's about being aggressive. We'll live with bad shots for the most part. We don't want you to be a pig, but at the same time, we want you to, you know, if you have it going, go ahead and take one. We're fine with that. I think the problem is that tonight, guys weren't as aggressive as you would like them, you would like them to be. And I'm sure you noticed it as well. Um, I feel like Gilly, he's a little bit tentative sometimes. Tyler was a little bit tentative. Guys are just not, you know, ready to – they didn't meet the aggression of the game. And I think Blake's the one guy who, no matter what, for right or wrong, he's going to meet the aggression of the game. So, for Blake, I think it's about keeping it going because I truly believe this. I think going to the 18th tournament, he's our most important player because when we're yeah. down – when it's a five-point – when it's a two-point game with five minutes left, we know Blake's going to take those shots. Right or wrong. He's going to take the shots. So it's about, again, as fans, when we're watching him, we have to understand that he's going to take some shots that maybe we don't agree with, but he can make them. And I think as players, we have to match that intensity. And I feel like we didn't do that tonight. And Blake, he carried us for a long stretch of that game. Mm. Yeah, you, I mean, you could argue it's two straight games he's kind of carried you guys now. I know, like, the UMass, uh, again, that wasn't really a close game. But the reason that game wasn't that close, and, you know, I don't think Richmond played, like, fantastic in the first 12 minutes of the UMass game, but Blake was just – absolutely locked in in that one and because of how effective he was in the first half kind of built that lead up I mean arguably if he's not hot in that game that's a more competitive game too and I think what we're starting to to sense with with Blake now and and what I'm coming around to is that 
it's a lot less about how many shots does he get? I'm not really that concerned with he had 17 shots tonight. I want to see him take 12 shots. Like, I don't really care if he takes a lot of shots. I'm more interested in what do those shots look like. And it felt like tonight, even though he had a lot of shots, he scored 24. You know, he, again, we've said it over. It's about like letting it come to him and, and letting it flow. That didn't feel like a lot there. Obviously, like you said, you know, he's going to take tough shots and he did. He took some tough mid-range shots. But for the most part, and I thought he did a good job. I thought he went downhill a lot tonight, even though he maybe wasn't finishing at the rim constantly throughout the game. I thought he generated things. I thought he looked to do that. There were a few times he dribbled, he attacked baseline, he went under, nothing was there. He brought it back out. And then even when he was doing that, sometimes you'll see him get aggressive. He doesn't find the lane. He just comes out and takes a step back mid-range because he's frustrated. Nothing happened. He was coming out. He was looking. He was seeing guys. And like you said, like that's great for them, but it's really tough to have him playing like that when no one else is being aggressive alongside with him. You know, Tyler tonight, right? Like Gilly, I mean, Gilly didn't, I don't think Gilly took a shot until maybe four ish minutes left in the first half. I mean, he wasn't even looking to do anything. And when you know, again, Tyler's been sluggish, we know Grant's injured. Like, again, I know Gilly's going to let it come to him, but if you already know your guys are limited, you've got to be chomping at the bit looking to score tonight, especially with Yuri Collins matched up on you. A guy who's a sophomore, I know he's been able to steal a ball, but Gilly's been pretty good against in the past. Yuri Collins is really short. I mean, he's basically just a poor man's version of Gilly minus the offense. So I would have thought he would have been looking to attack him. Um, So I I, I want to talk a little bit about Tyler, though. It's four games now, including D3 St. Mary's, since you've come off the COVID pause. Tyler had a solid game against uh, Duquesne. And, but, but other than that, I mean, he's kind of been a non-factor quite honestly. And I, I talked about this um, with Austin after the, the UMass pod and, you know, he's a sophomore, right? Like I think sometimes we expect a lot of him because he has flashed this potential and is clearly the best pro post prospect and probably the most exciting player to watch on this team. And the highs are so high with him, but, but we do have to remember like he's a sophomore in a complicated system. So he's going to have the comeback to earth moments. However, you know, I know we're not going to get 17 and 10 out of him every night, which is annoying because it's really fun when he does. It's really fun to watch and we know he can do it. Mm -hmm. But again, like when Blake's giving you 24 points, like you don't need that out of him. But what I do want to see out of Tyler and I haven't been seeing is, okay, if you're not going to be the double, double guy that's leading the team in scoring tonight, and you're not going to be this crazy superstar, are you going to hit the shots that come to you when Blake is seeing the floor well and not playing ball hog, he's scoring, but he's seeing the floor and he kicks to you because he's drawing defenders in. Are you going to hit the wide open corner three? And that's what Tyler was really doing for a lot of the year. He's playing timely, timely basketball. And against UMass, like he was over two from three, but like they were really wide open threes. I, I don't know, like if something happened in the break, but like, what have you seen from him where it just seems like, it's not even about him being aggressive, but like, he's just, just doesn't seem to be, I don't know if it's seeing the floor, but there's just nothing clicking for him. Right. And I think you kind of touched on a little bit, but I think the, the overall problem right now is probably twofold. I think one, you can tell on the court, he's thinking a little bit more than, than usual. You can tell like every move, every time he catches the ball, it's a little bit, it's a little bit, it seems like he's focusing too much on what they're doing as opposed to what he can do. And I think part of that is, you know, you're you're you were a freshman, you didn't play that much, and then now you're playing a lot. And on the second part is, and I know I went through this a little bit. I'm sure not Grant necessarily, but I know Nate went through this for a period of time through the year. Maybe you were fifth on the scouting report. Now you're third. Now you're second on the scouting report. 
And so you can tell guys are playing Tyler a little bit differently than they are. They're closing out a little bit like his jumpers at the beginning of the season when they were wide open. Now they're not. You know, his drives off the wing when he's just trying to rip and go, they were a little bit easier. Now they're not. So I think there's an adjustment to that. Like I said, I went through it as a sophomore. My first 10 games of my sophomore year, I didn't know even how to play basketball. You figure it out. You know what I'm saying? You, you get moved on the scouting report, you figure it out. Then the second thing is, and you talked about it, he's also a sophomore. And at the end of the day, he's probably the guy who's going to the NBA out of this group. Like you say, he's the best pro prospect. At the end of the day, he's a sophomore. And, you know, he didn't play a lot of minutes last year. And now he starts into a starting role immediately. And I would argue he's probably been our most consistent player up until maybe the last four games throughout the whole year. You're getting the 12 points, you're getting the seven rebounds, you're getting the good shooting, you're getting the efficiency. He, he, I think maybe this is his sophomore wall. Like it's the, the, the part of the year where you just kind of you're playing a lot of, like I said, he's playing 30 some minutes a game after playing 15, 10 last year. And he's just figuring it out. And obviously, you know, you rather it happen at a different time of the year, but you got to think in a normal year, we're playing 30 some games, regular season games. This year, what do we, what do we play? 20, 21? Almost maybe not that, even, yeah. not even, maybe not even that. So I think the adjustment from not playing a lot of minutes to playing a lot of minutes, from playing a lot of games to not playing that many games. And right now I think he's just going through it. Pretty much all sophomores, all freshmen, we have that time of the year where it just sometimes doesn't click. I think he'll be ready by the tournament. He's got too many guys that, you know, believe in him, that trust him. He's going to be fine. But I think this four-game stretch for him is just, is just sophomore wall. And I wouldn't just chalk it up to that because you expect you expect what you expect from Tyler, but at the same time, you gotta, like I said, you got to understand he's a sophomore. He's going through some things. He's figuring it out. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say Tyler's necessarily a problem. Tonight was not not his best night, obviously, but it also wasn't, you know, Gilly's best night. It wasn't Grant's best mm-hmm. night. It wasn't Nate's best night. So at the end of the day, like, you have to figure out a way how to work around it. For him, maybe he's going to the gym more, whatever it is. But it's, but I don't know. I'm not that worried as worried about Tyler because I think, like I said, I would argue he's been the most consistent guy this year. So – I think from from for him, it's just like I'm going through a tough stretch. How do I get out of it? We got the tournament next weekend, or not next weekend, but the weekend after. Like, I got to be ready for that. I think he will be. So it's just about you know fighting through this this tough portion of the season, and then getting better from it. Yep. Two more things I want to hit on in this game, um, and then we'll we'll kind of look at at large and a ten and all that stuff. But first thing, I I guess we're on Tyler, so let's go to the last shot. Um, and Chris talked a little bit in the post game, and you know I didn't love that last look. I think you guys were down five with maybe 20-ish seconds on the clock. So obviously, you know, you're not going to get exactly the shot you want. You've got to get up there, get a three, hope you hit it in foul. But that the Tyler three, and I know like he kind of just, can you just run us through what that last shot looked like? Chris said uh, Gilly had two options there. I think maybe it was pass and then the handoff, it was there. He offloads it to Tyler. Tyler kind of takes a long three. Uh, what, what, what were the options on that last play? And is that Tyler's shot, you know, a look that you want there? So I don't know. I didn't see the post-game preps conference, but I know that's a specific play we run. And the first option is a trail three. Um, we haven't we we put it in last before last year started, and we never got to it. So uh, I know when I was playing, I was an inbound guy, and I was a trail three. Um, and then the second option is like you wait for Blake to cut through, but like we kind of know the first option is probably a gilly job or a dump off to Tyler. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe you want Tyler to maybe, like, not take that shot or something, but there's only, like, 15 seconds left in the game. Mm-hmm. And I would say this. So we played St. Bonaventure's last year at their place. 
and there was a play that we ran in the game that was for me. But I told like Jacob before we ran it, like run it for Blake. I don't have it. I don't have it tonight. Run it for Blake. So maybe in that situation, either Tyler or Blake or Jacob says, you know, Tyler, you don't inbound it. Blake, you inbound it so you can get the trail three. Now maybe the defense shifts and there's something else that happens out of it. But I know, like from being in practice, that's a, that's a play that we run for specifically for the end of the game. So when he took that shot, I'm not surprised that he took it because that's the look. That's the first mm-hmm. option. The trailer shoots three. But like you kind of said, at the same time, like, is there another look we can get? Like, can we get Blake, uh, Gilly going out here? Do we run yeah. for Blake? So I think that, like, maybe the coach, rec- like, maybe Coach Mooney recognizes that, you know, Tyler's not having his best game. Let's have Blake inbound it. He gets the trail shot. And now St. Louis defense is probably going to adjust. They're probably not going to let him get a good look like that. Mm-hmm. But then maybe you get Tyler on the backside. Maybe you get Gilly going in the middle. Maybe you get Crown on a roll, something like that. So I'm not necessarily mad at the shot because I know that's a play that we run. And Gilly probably didn't feel comfortable based on the game he was having. You can, But like you said, you probably want to have somebody else in that position. So that's one of the things you learn in college and basketball. Like there's a play, but then there's also – like there's a set play and there's also the right play. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not that mad about that look because I know that's like a specific play. But at the same time, maybe we have something for Blake. Maybe we have something for Nate Cut. I don't know. It's not that much time left, and we need to score. So, yeah. just figuring that out. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I didn't think the look was bad. It, it's a play I, we, we've seen you guys run before, and it's a play that a, a lot of teams run similar variations of it in that situation. You've got to get the shot off quick, and, yeah, it's a kind of deep three, but he, he had space by doing the handoff. But, it, again, it wasn't the the play or the look. And and also, I don't blame Tyler for shooting it when he had the ball, but mm-hmm. it was just it, – it was surprising that it, – it seemed like he was one of the first options for that shot. I think, the, I think that's. I think the, the miss made it look worse, like that. Yeah, it just hit the backboard. I got. I think if he hit the rim or it rattled out, we just be like that's tough. Yeah. But it just didn't hit anything, so we're now. No, it wasn't. It, it wasn't a bad bad look at all. And, and we know Tyler can hit that shot. It's just it's just in perspective of how he had played that game and how he's been playing the last four games. It was less so. Is that a bad look? Is more so situationally. Why are we not trying to force it to like you said to to Blake or, or Gillian? And, and like you said, you know, if you run it for Blake. They, maybe they defend it differently. Who knows? Um, but then maybe that opens something up for Gilly Moore. Uh, sure. it, but again, it's it's super limited when Nate can't really space the floor. Gilly's playing tentative, and Grant has a broken finger, so you are you are limited on options. Um, but yeah, I, I would have liked to see something for Blake there. But again, it's still a two possession game too. So if you hit the three, you still have to play the foul game. Uh, so we kind of touched on it quickly, but last thing, um, Grant's finger. We all know what the deal is. It's a fracture in it. Um, he's going to deal it the rest of the way, all that he, he can't really rehab it. You kind of just have to let it heal. And if you're going to play through it, it's not going to heal. So he's just going to be dealing with pain. Um, we know that tonight I, I was really impressed. I thought he played given that he had a broken finger, he played phenomenal. Um, but, but the one place and you've kind of said is that I, maybe you said this before we came on, but you know, he, he only had one rebound tonight. Um, and you know, he could pass it, he can shoot it but it's hard to get a second hand on the ball. Like he can't, he just couldn't really use his left hand. Well, and it's really hard to get a rebound without two hands on the ball. Um, and, and that killed him when you're playing the best, probably the best rebounding team in the Atlantic 10 in, in slew. Um, Richmond only had like 16 rebounds with like four minutes left. Um, right. How did you see that impact his game tonight? Uh, it looks like things shifted for him in the second half. Cause in the first half, I don't think he scored uh, at all, and then it, or Tyler, and then him and Tyler come out and score the first six points of the second half. Um, how how do you think that, uh, particularly in the rebounding game, but just in general, how did that injury kind of affect Richmond's offense tonight? I think the biggest thing was one. I think in the first half he didn't really know how he was going to score. Hmm. 
Um, I think that when he caught it on the right block and he had to start his drift with the left, I think he's a little bit more tentative. Which, again, I told somebody when I was watching the game, like if somebody touches that, I've had two broken fingers in my life. If somebody touches my hand, I would probably cry. So like the fact that he was able to, you know, finish the game was super impressive. Second, the first half, he just figuring out, like, what can I do on the court? How can I score? And I also think in the second half, he was like, nobody's really playing aggressive other than Blake. So I need to go score. And at, mm-hmm. at, the end of the thing, at the end of the day, one thing that we know Grant has is good touch. So even those yep. hook shots from a little bit farther out than you would want them, he makes them. I think it, the more – the place you saw most was the defensive end. Like, for there were rebounds that, that were mm-hmm. his, he just is not comfortable going up and grabbing them with two hands. He had to tap them. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what we're going to have to figure out moving forward is, like, whether Nate's going to have to rebound more, which he probably has had to do all season. I can't really ask more from Tyler rebounding-wise. Does Blake have to get in more? Do we play Andre a little bit more minutes because he's a little bit taller and he can get in there? I thought he was really good in his minutes tonight, too. So I think he's just figuring out, like, what what is Grant comfortable with doing? And again, this is his first game. He broke it a couple of days ago. This is his first game. He had a, mm. a football pad on his hand. You know what I mean? Like, how can anybody <laughs> play with that? And the fact that he was so aggressive right away was, was super impressive. So I'm not too caught up on what Grant did wrong as opposed to, like, how do we adapt around his yeah. clear limitations right now? It's not like if he had one rebound and had two hands, we'd be like, Grant, what are you doing? Like, mm. he, get, he played hard. I, I would he, be upset. Honestly, I'd be upset with Grant if I saw him too aggressive on the glass. Cause, like, you got to know you got to be able to – the, the best ability is availability. I, I don't want to see Grant go break his hands out in the glass. You know, you're not going to do it. Like, but I, I like you said, it, it it's not what did Grant do right or wrong. I, I think Grant did everything right tonight. I thought he played an excellent game. It's, you know, he has limitations. He's hurt. Like, how do you guys adjust to that? You know, you know, you're already going in probably not really the best rebounding team in the conference by any measures. And you're playing a really good rebounding team. Um, doesn't mean you have to find a way to make it up and be a 35 rebound. Te- like that's not who you guys are. Like you're going to do what you do. But there do have to be adjustments. I don't know if it's Goose. Um, I, I know you said you kind of liked his minutes tonight. I actually didn't love what I saw from Andre. I thought he got a little out of control with some of the attacks tonight. But I thought I thought after his first few minutes, I thought he, he settled in a little bit better. Um, yeah. I, I definitely think that. But, yeah, I don't know with the rebounding thing, what it, what it's going to look like going forward. Uh, again, you know, looking ahead, St. Joe's is the last game, so you're not really worried about the glass anyway there. Um, and we're going to see what you guys draw in the A-10 tournament. Um, so, yeah. so let's, let's quickly, we, we've been going for a little bit, so let's just finish up with the rest of the season. Like we said, St. Joe's on, I think that's Monday, right? Um, but yeah, March 1st. So St. Joe's on Monday, uh, they're going to get the A-10 tournament of course next week. Uh, and then probably it sounds like at least trying to schedule a non-league game. Lenardi said after that this pushes slew up and Richmond down both into his next four out. Richmond was in the first four out going into this game. Uh, so, but it's, you know, neither team, I, I can't remember who they're playing, but I know Slew is not playing St. Bonaventure or VCU next. So they're not playing like a top team. Uh, so it's in terms of getting an at-large bid, you know, I'd love to hear how you guys and what you feel about where you guys are at. Again, I know you're on the next four out, but, and you, you really, especially, you know what, a game like this too really just makes you look at the A-10 and say, why did we move the tournament up? And why did we take games away from teams? Because you look at this game tonight, it drops Richmond maybe a little bit, like Lenardi moved from the next four out, but still it's a road game and they showed up against SLU. That's a quad one game. and They played really tight on the road and almost won. And it's a good win for SLU. So this certainly, I would say, helps or at least doesn't hurt each team. And I think it definitely solidifies that they're both legitimate bubble teams who – if they do get a couple more good games can get onto the right side of the bubble. 
and the A10 basically kind of just took that chance away from both of these teams um, to a certain degree, makes it that much harder. Um, what do you think, I guess, for SLU, more so for Richmond? Is there anything they can do to get an at-large bid at this point, or is it A10 or bust? I would assume it's A10 or bust. I think that unless we get VCU in the semifinals and then Bonnie's in the game, I mean, but then it wouldn't matter. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's A10 or bust, but I said, I've said this all season. It should have been A10 or bust from the beginning whether we were going to be in one seed or going to be a team fighting for the bubble. Like our goal is to win the Asian championship. So hopefully that puts that into focus for not just you and I, but for the rest of the spider fans, for the players, like there's no, there's no easy break now. Last year, you know, if we lose in the quarterfinals, like we're sweating selection Sunday, losing the semifinals, maybe we feel a little bit more comfortable, but like this year, like it's, it's all or nothing. So like the players know that, the coaches know that. Me and you know that. We can focus on what the season has been, and we can talk about this after the season, what it what the season was or wasn't. But like, I hope this puts into focus, and not necessarily just for this year, but for the like the future years. Like, it doesn't matter what your expectations are. And the goal should always be to win the A10 championship, regular season or tournament. That should be the goal. NCAA is, is a good goal to have. Winning game is a good goal to have. But the one thing I know we can control is whether or not we win the eighth tournament or not. So at this point, who cares? There's we have two guarantee we have two games guaranteed left in the season. Like the the game like St. Joe's and whatever round we play, you know, the the, the our first game eighth tournament. That's it. So like what are we gonna make of that? Are we gonna complain about the not getting to play VCU again, not playing Bynes again? Are we gonna just put our focus towards being the A10 champions. And I, I, I'm i kind of, like, glad this happened because I, I hope that as players and as coaches, as fans, everybody part of the program understands that, like, it's it's A10 or bust. Like, like I played in the NIT my freshman year. It was fun. But we also knew what we were missing out on. Like, this year is none of that. Playing the NIT is, is great. Playing the NIT with no fans is the worst thing that could ever happen. <laughs> the worst thing that could ever happen. They, the NIT is ha- already hard enough to get up for. Now playing with nobody in there, like at least we got yeah. a, one last sold out crowd. That was cool. This year is going to be the worst experience of our life. We're going to be missing out on other stuff. We're going to be playing the, in the NIT. So like, let's just focus on going to Indianapolis. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't want to be, we're not going to be the first four in. We might not even be the first four out. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's go win the Indianapolis and we go from there. So I hope our focus is that because, again, my biggest gripe from the beginning of the year was that everybody was too focused on let's be number 15. Let's be this. Let's be that. Mm-hmm. No, let's go 14-4 and four in conference and win. Obviously, with scheduling and stuff, it's impossible. Let's go win three games in Richmond and Dayton and, and end all discussion. The year's stunk. You, you can agree with this. I can agree with this. Like, the year's been trash. So, like, the one way we can salvage this year is going to the tournament and winning the conference championship. I'll take a conference championship over anything else right now. So, yeah. I feel like sometimes we – I feel like this year we lost our focus. Now there's no – there's nothing else we can focus on. We can't beat St. Joe's and get into the tournament. Like, let's go yeah. win the A-10 tournament and call it a day. Definitely. I think we'd all be happy with that if we could call it a day. We'll take yeah. – uh, we'd take an A-10 championship. And we're going to call it a day here on the podcast because it is – 10 15 and nick and i are both old heads so yeah 
uh that is it spider scoop podcast episode 40 uh nick thank you for joining me uh as always you guys can follow me on twitter and instagram at noah goldberg 10 follow austin at austin daisy 11 uh, make sure to like subscribe five star rating for this podcast on wherever you're listening apple google spotify uh we'd, we'd greatly appreciate that uh, so that said, Richmond falls to St. Louis tonight, uh, 72-67. Uh, remain in, in third place in the Atlantic 10. Will in all likelihood remain in third place. Game against St. Joe's on Monday, final game of the regular season. We'll be back with a pregame show live on the radio on ESPN Richmond's uh, an hour before tip-off that day. And of course, back here with a recap podcast. So that's it from us, and we will see you guys on Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.